I think that there are not enough female leaders, female entrepreneurs, and female executives out there. And it really just comes with us stepping into our power and us owning our voices and our experiences more because that's what I did. And it really worked out for me in the end. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Now, here is Kathleen. Today, I am joined with Charlotte DeMocker. She's the co-founder and chief operating officer at Penny. It's an exciting new digital media startup that seeks to help people master their money. So you can only imagine how much I loved this whole concept of Penny and the app that Charlotte has been part of developing. And so just to give you a quick background on her, she was an analyst at a top investment bank, and she started to become concerned about the financial system catering only to the wealthy elite. She saw millions of bright young people struggling to get ahead because they lacked basic understanding of finance. And so she embarked on this mission to correct the inequality by demystifying the topic of money. So just based on that introduction, you know why Charlotte is joining me here today on the Breaking Money Silence podcast. Thanks for joining us, Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me, Kathleen. Glad to be here. Yes. You know, I actually think I stumbled over a write-up about Penny and then a little bit about you. And I thought, I have got to have Charlotte on for our Women in Business series because you are up to some really, really cool work. Now, before we get into what Penny actually is, I did notice that you often call yourself a social impact entrepreneur. So I'm really curious, what does that mean? And how does that fit with your firm and why you co-founded this company? Yeah, great question. So I really believe that um, social impact, you know, you can use capitalism for a, as a source for good in this world. And so I really think there's a huge opportunity to use capitalism, to use startups, to use, you know, really savvy, disruptive companies um, to tackle some of the world's toughest, most systemic, most deeply rooted problems really creatively. So that's kind of what I speak to when I say social impact entrepreneur. I'm trying to really kind of create social impact by using companies. And everything that I do related to my companies is focused on generating some tangible impact or lasting good in the world. So that's really kind of what social impact entrepreneur means to me. But how that relates to Penny, it, Penny is really a deeply mission-based startup. So to us, that means that everything we do, we do for our users. We exist for them. We're trying to solve their problems. We're trying to free them from debt and provide them a more stable, more independent life. And we're trying to do that with education. So that's kind of the social impact that we're trying to have. We want to close wealth gaps, whether it's like a gender wealth gap or, you know, a minority wealth gap. And we want to ultimately allow people to live more financially stable, more financially independent lives 
despite the fact that they may not have had access to the the funding or the education that a lot of people did in the world that gave them a leg up. So that's kind of how it relates to Penny. That's what I believe in very, very deeply. And I'm really happy to be here because I know you you share um, some similar opinions. Yes. You know, I don't identify myself as a social impact entrepreneur, but now that I've just heard what you envision that to be, I think I'm one as well. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> and so what, what I love about your mission, obviously, is the financial education piece, but also being someone that has presented and does a lot of work in the financial advisory world, it really is striking to me the lack of access for women, for some millennials, for people of certain socioeconomic statuses, different races, to yes. basic financial education. And so it's been frustrating for me for years. And part of what my mission is with Breaking Money Silence is to really open up that dialogue. But how did you get to this place where you're like, you know what, this isn't okay, and I want to do something about it? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a, a bit of a zigzag in my career. I started out as an investment banking analyst, like you mentioned before, and and then I went on to tech startups um, after I was in the finance industry for a couple of years, and I saw just how rigged the whole system was in favor of the wealthy elite and and helping them to really generate and accumulate and keep more money, whether it's tax loopholes or investment access that normal uh, average investors don't have, and and all of the, the different kind of tools uh, at their disposal, I just thought it was so wrong and I knew I needed to do something about it. So I moved over to the tech startup world and, and spent a couple of years there because I knew I would need some kind of experience in the very agile tech world before I founded this company. Um, and during that time, I was always kind of freelancing. I was always taking on clients on the side, doing things outside of my my main role and mentoring others. And it just became really obvious to me uh, how how little people knew about finance, how how awful general financial literacy was. So I started to put the, uh, together the kind of pieces of how education could really impact people's ability to become more financially independent and invest in themselves, especially millennials. You know, people are out there with hundreds of thousands of dollars of uh, college debt and are making, you know, $50,000, $60,000 a year. Like, you're going to have that debt for the rest of your life unless you really understand how to get rid of it, how to pay it off, how to be smart with your money. So that's kind of a little bit of my background, but my, I got my first start as an entrepreneur actually <laughs> with something completely unrelated, and that was uh, purchasing a small sustainable luxury company. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. So that really taught me a lot about operating a company, keeping healthy margins, running logistics, you know, really thinking like a businesswoman. So, <laughs> and I actually still run it today, which has been a really fun, creative project to have on the side. So, I highly recommend everyone, if you want to be a founder, if you want to be an entrepreneur, cut your teeth with something that you're passionate about and, you know, make sure that you're financially literate so that you you can really begin with the end in mind, I suppose, meaning you really understand the finances of, of a company before you're even getting into it. And so you can set yourself up intelligently before you even begin, which is kind of how I got to a point with um, Penny, essentially. That's how we started. 
So I'm curious about two things. One is about financial literacy. And uh, I have always said that it needs to be more fun. It needs to be more interactive. It needs, you know, it's not working because we're boring people to death. At least that's what it was 10, 15 years ago. And a lot of what's still out there, you know, it's well-intentioned, but it doesn't keep your attention. So tell the listeners a little bit about what Penny is, because I think it's a really cool concept and something that's fun and creative and different. Absolutely. And thank you for that. We believe the same thing. So Penny is really an audio streaming app that seeks to reimagine and simplify how we learn about money, how we learn about finance, so that every single person out there can understand and master their money. So uh, within the app, like you said, you know, we're laser focused on making finance more accessible, making it so that there are no uh, weird acronyms or no jargon, really no dry, boring lessons. Because at the end of the day, it's an overwhelming subject matter. It's so broad and it's so intense and and boring. (laughs) And so people aren't going to stick with it and really stay interested if they can't understand it. And I feel like finance is really built in this kind of exclusionary way. I even felt that way. And I had a degree in finance and I was working in finance. And there was so much I felt like I still didn't understand. So we seek to break down those barriers. And all content at Penny is meant to be three things, actionable, accessible, and aspirational. So the accessible part is really us trying to break down those barriers and make it so that any person out there can listen to content in Penny and it will be easy to understand, it'll be interesting, and it'll be easily translatable to their lives. Give us a sense or an example of what somebody might find. I know it's hard to do on a podcast, but we'll put a link into the show notes and we'll let people, everybody can sign up for free. But tell us a little bit about what maybe a lesson would look like and and what we would find if, if say, we looked up something like women and negotiating. Oh, great question. So women and negotiating, I think, would fall into our careers category. We have a lot of really fascinating lessons about how to confidently network, how to confidently negotiate, how to land a job based on just you know your, your job interview, how to nail that, and also how to build your own personal brand. So I would say that's you know a little bit more our careers component. But other examples include things like how to get started investing in uh, real estate property so that you can start to earn basically passive income streams that you don't have to think about. You can find lessons on investing if you don't have a current investment portfolio and how to read stock charts so that you kind of get a, a 101 level course on what a stock market chart looks like and, and how to think about the fundamentals when you're investing in a stock. We have lots of things about really interesting entrepreneurs and young trailblazers who have found very creative ways to, whether it's build a company from their laptop as they're a digital nomad roaming around the globe, or find really creative ways to create passive income streams so that they could retire you know, at a certain age. Like one that we interviewed was, I think, 27 years old when she retired. So these are some examples of the categories and some of the really interesting things and insights you can find in the Penny app. 
Yeah, that's really neat. In fact, I have a virtual team at KBK Wealth Connection, and I have one of my virtual assistants is a nomad. And so I've gotten to know that lifestyle, and it's really fascinating yeah, to me. I uh, love yeah, that. it's really kind of cool. So I'll have her check out your app as well. I have so many questions about you and being a woman in business, and a little bit about you and your co founder. But before I ask those questions, I'm going to take just a quick break. So in a minute, we will be back with Charlotte DeMacher from Penny. Hey, it's Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I just wanted to tell you about my Breaking Money Silence Learning Lab. If you find negotiating fees and salaries anxiety-provoking, you're going to want to check out my online courses in the Breaking Money Silence Learning Lab. I will help you conquer your fear of negotiating, help you break money silence, and ultimately help you be more confident in asking and earning your worth. Each of the lessons are easily digestible, video lessons as well as handouts. You'll get concrete action items. And once you finish the course, you'll have an opportunity to do a free laser coaching call with yours truly, me. So definitely check out the Breaking Money Silence Learning Lab. Go to breakingmoneysilence.com backslash negotiating. I hope to see you there. We are back now with Charlotte DeMacher from Penny. She is the COO of this new company. She is a social impact entrepreneur, and Penny is an innovative financial education app for millennials and other people interested in learning more about finance. So before I left on the break, Charlotte, I was really wondering a little bit more about how you became a founder at a relatively young age and a woman founder at that. Not that you aren't capable of it, obviously, but because that does tend to be something that's a little bit challenging for women in business to be able to start uh, ventures like this. So can you tell me a little bit about how that came about for you? Absolutely. So I met my co-founder, our founder and our CEO, I met him when I was working in the investment banking industry, and I was very intrigued by his work that he did. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's had multiple successful companies that he's built from the ground up, and a lot of them have been related to education or social impact. And so we clicked right away because you know we really both believe in that as a source for good and lasting impact in the world. And so over time, you know, the more and more we talked, the more and more he really started to believe in just how strong of a of a force i guess i i could be i um, love that about you <laughs> thank you yeah so i think it was really his trust of me that um allowed me to land in this position I, I think that that's one of the reasons why it's so so important for aspiring female entrepreneurs to network and put themselves out there your voice is valuable your perspective is valuable and you should never shy away from advocating for yourself and expressing your opinions because the reason I did that is literally why I cultivated this relationship and was able to become you know a young female entrepreneur and executive in my life and I think too often, women are, you know, too shy or they think that they're that they don't have enough experience to add anything to the conversation or they shy away from that seat at the table because they think they're not ready. Uh, I remember hearing a stat once that women really only apply for a job they feel that they're 100% qualified for. 
and men will apply for that the same job if they feel like they're more than 55% qualified. So I think that there are not enough female leaders, female entrepreneurs, and female executives out there. And it really just comes with us stepping into our power and us owning our voices and our experiences more because that's what I did. And it really worked out for me in the end. Yeah, no, I think that's great. In fact, I'm familiar with that statistic. And I was going to say, you know, one of the things that's been advantageous to me and my business career is my ability to blurt things out, (laughs) (laughs) which isn't always, you know, you're not socialized as a woman to blurt things out, but sometimes I've blurted things out and landed jobs or contracts or started conversations. And so really owning that power is important. Now I'm hoping I don't have to ask this question in a few years, but I'm going to ask the infamous gender question. Your co-founder is a man. And I know often men have an easier time getting funding And I also know there's some value to uh, having a diverse team in terms of gender and other perspectives. So how do you think that that's helped in your mission? And do you think it has to do with gender or do you think it's another factor that's made you and your co-founder such a good team? Yeah, that's such a great question. And like you said, you know, I hope that we will stop having to ask this question. Um, But I think for now, it's great to have more people address it. I really believe it's critical to have a wealth of diverse perspectives and voices at the table, particularly now. And we have to be willing to break our own echo chambers as leaders. So I think that having gender diversity in leadership really helps with that. It also, yes, it does help with funding. I think having a diverse team and having a wealth of perspectives and experiences makes you a more appealing executive team because when you have just, you know, I mean, I hate to say this, but when you have a bunch of old white men um, running a company, there isn't a whole lot of diversity of perspective or opinion. And so you, you tend to see just the same thing happen over and over again. And I really think that it's important to have people from people who are global. I mean, my, my CEO is from Singapore. He grew up in Malaysia. He has an incredibly worldly perspective after going to university in London. And, and we have other people on the team who continue to add to that diversity of perspectives and opinions. And we're really, really cognizant about creating and cultivating an environment where every single voice and perspective is heard and valued and welcomed. And I think that that has really helped us to shape our product in a way that has garnered more trust from the market. So it's really critical to our operations, but I do think it does it does help with our mission overall because in order for our content to be applicable and relevant to every single person out there, you know, we have to be thinking through what is that perspective for non-binary genders? Uh, what is that perspective for for women, for men, for all walks of life, every ethnicity and cultural heritage under the sun? So we 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 think that it's really critical beyond just the gender diversity to have a huge variety and array of diversity um, just as a whole within within the company. I hope that helps. I know you know it was less gender related, but I do find that that has helped us so far. But we're also very blessed to be privately funded at the moment. And so uh, it kind of remains to be seen a little bit what will occur and, and how much of an impact our gender diversity at the top will have as we start to raise money. No, I think that's great. I mean, I, I I think gender diversity fits in overall diversity. So really what you're talking about in the mission of your firm 
you know, obviously is the financial education, but I really think what is also important is you're looking at how different people might approach this topic of money and different life experiences, different cultures, different races, different sexual orientation. And I think that that's really key. So I'm really glad you shared that. And I do think it's a broader conversation than just gender. Now, one of the things that I'm curious about as a woman in business and looking to you and kind of what you're doing as someone who is really making a big splash is for anyone who's listening to our podcast right now, if they want to have more of a social impact, whether that's they're a woman and they're in business and they want to do it that way, or whether they just want to use their money and their investments to have a social impact, do you have any tips about how they can go about doing that? and start to put some of what we talked about today into action? Yes, I love this question. Thank you for asking this. I think that is absolutely doable today, right this moment. And you can do so many things in your world to have more of a social impact um, with your money. If you're a business person, that comes in the form of, you know, you can allocate a certain a certain percentage of your profits to um, causes that you really care about. But even if you don't have a business that you're kind of approaching this this directive through, you personally can still back causes or initiatives you believe in through donations. And that is tax beneficial to you as well. Um, but you can also invest your money into funds that are you know, social impact or sustainability focused. Uh, a lot of millennials and Gen Zs are starting to do more and more of this. And so that's uh, really changing the world of finance because what that means is all of these oil and gas kind of profitable sectors eventually will die out and they'll be forced to adapt to a much more progressive world as we continue to do that. So there's that. Um, but but investing your money into funds and keeping it in accounts at banks that also have you know a very progressive attitude is one thing that you can do. Thirdly, you can purchase companies uh, and brands that really align with your beliefs and your values, whatever the, the they may be. That goes for home goods, that goes for food products, that goes for beauty. You can always invest in and purchase things for your household that directly align with your, your own desired social impact. So to recap, basically, back causes you believe in. Invest your money into funds that have a social impact or a sustainable focus and buy products that you really love the missions of and support those companies um, so that we can kind of break down these big box stores that are so, so catastrophically bad for the environment and for for even just the human capital side of things too. So support brands you really love and that you you want to see their mission have that social impact that that they're vying for. Those are probably my my three biggest tips for using your money to change the world. I think that's, those are great tips. And, you know, what comes up for me and you sharing those tips is that it can actually be kind of fun to look for places in which you can support businesses that align with your values. And yeah. yeah, And so uh, I would say two years ago, I joined a New England Women Investing Network group. And so basically what we do is we just talk about and learn different ways in which we can invest our money and it can be purchasing a product from a company that you believe in or banking with a community bank versus maybe a bigger bank to figure out how you can live your values. So it's it's actually been a fun process for me and I've been in the world of finance for a long time but never really thought about it at that level. So it's it's kind of 
shop local, but it's also, you know, support things that you believe in. So shop according to your values, spend according to your values. It's really um, quite fun. And and maybe that's the show we need to have you back on in the future, Charlotte, to talk more (laughs) about that, because obviously we could talk all day about the things that we are passionate about. But we are almost out of time. So I want to make sure that listeners know how to access your app and how to find out more about you and more about Penny. If you'd like to learn more about Penny and uh, just access an easy button to download the app, you can head to www.penny.fm and you can uh, find out more and as well as download. You can also check out our Instagram. Uh, we try to post really you know, informative content and educational content, and that is on Instagram at penny.app. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you so much for your time today and for breaking money silence with me. I I feel like this is the beginning of a very long money conversation between the two of us. I sure hope so. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Kathleen. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.